This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Element, the electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. Yep, that means a lot of salt and zero sugar. Try it today for just the cost of shipping. Go to drinkelement.com slash nomadathlete. That's drinklmnt.com slash nomadathlete. This episode is also brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers for a personalized action plan. Save 25% today when you go to insidetracker.com slash NMA. Matt, this is kind of the first episode of what's uh, what's almost like a greatest hits uh, over the next couple weeks with with Robert coming on today and right. Sid or, or oh I shouldn't have shouldn't have blown it yeah, but another another frequent is. guest coming on next week. Um, I know this is gonna be fun. It is gonna be fun. I was thinking I was I was getting I don't know if nervous is the word because uh, it's been a long time since I've been nervous before a Nomad Athlete Radio episode, but uh, I haven't done an interview in I think years like. Probably two years. I could be wrong. Uh, because I really hate doing interviews unless they're with like <laughs> unless they're with like people who are just friends in real life. Uh, I just I just don't like it. I don't know. It just feels stiff and forced and maybe that's just how I do it, but uh, this one is not like that. For Robert, Sid, you know, they get a pass. They're they're in, in the club. Yeah. They they Robert, this is probably your like fifth or sixth time on the on the podcast and of course you and Matt go way back and have been working uh, and hanging out a lot recently, as, as I understand it. Yeah, and thank you guys for having me. And speaking of nervous, I've already pooped four times today, uh, and it's only <laughs> noon. It's only noon. All right, where so I am. we'll start the episode. We'll start the episode recording now, so that we don't get that on there. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, this is still off the air, right? No, uh, uh, but that's true. That's true. Uh, I think it's the high fiber, and it's also the nerves, and uh, you know, doing interviews is is uh, nerve wracking at times, but it is a pleasure to be here. I'm wondering why it took so long. I was on like four times in the first three years and zero in the last four. So I must've said something controversial, <laughs> uh, which would not, I would not put that past me to say something controversial. Um, so uh, I look forward to perhaps doing that again today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned the early days uh, because. Well, hold on. Yeah, we, we haven't, we haven't actually said, said who's, who, who Robert, Robert is, is yet. I don't think. Well, that's kind of where I'm going with this, actually. Oh, sorry. That, okay. That's okay. That I was thinking about, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, uh, like I was thinking, well, we've already talked, because we've talked about a lot of different topics with Robert and kind of went through different phases. Um, like, I, I just remember some specific, and one, I think Doug wasn't there because uh, we did it remotely and I was in my dad's house. But uh, we, I remember just talking about like we were both kind of in a fitness slump and then we talked about one where we were kind of both had, had stopped stressing out so much and sort of just... I don't know, had, had felt better. So we've opened through a whole lot. We've been at this thing, this plant-based fitness for a lot. Robert especially, been at it for 25 years now. Um, but as I was thinking, like, the, the things we asked four and five years, like, it doesn't matter what we've asked before. We can just ask whatever we want of Robert these days because I don't think most people have heard the episodes. They're, they're all just <laughs> really, really old. Like, even a, even a big fan wouldn't have heard most of the Robert Cheek episodes. Although, Matt, you remember, I told you I got recognized here in Fort Collins, Colorado <laughs> for being a guest on No Meat Athlete Radio. That was that was really funny. <laughs> Which is really funny because we don't use video. It's not like we do a video podcast. He just was recognized by what? By the promotional picture that we used? I, I don't know. I mean, I did have – I had a vegan-themed shirt on. It wasn't a No Meat Athlete one, although I could use another one. Uh, but, yeah, he had this guy. Hey, are you Robert – she actually said, are you Robert Green? 
Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I said, Cheek, is it? That's what I meant. That's what I meant. And he's like, yeah, I, I learned about you on the on the No Meat Athlete radio podcast. And he's a fan of, of Scott Jurek and others. So, you know, he, it wasn't like he thought I really was Robert Green, whoever that is. Uh, he just. That's know, an author. He's he's a, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was just, you know. Uh, you know, you get starstruck when you meet a guest of, on the No Meat Athlete Radio. <laughs> That's a great story. That's funny. You know, speaking of speaking of meeting people, I think I was just thinking about this recently. I think I met you guys both on the exact same day for the first time at the at DC VegFest. Yeah, oh, really. I, Does that I sound right. I was rocking an Abraham Lincoln beard, um, and that's true. <laughs> and we're in all blue, like a Smurf. So I remember uh-huh. that day. And you were giving a speech, a motivational sort yep. of talk, and yep. I saw it, and I got got really excited. And then Doug came in and uh, harassed me in the parking lot. When I was yeah, I was my like car. total fanboy, tracked you down because I saw your No Man Athlete shirt on. And yeah, I, just, I think I, it's cool. I mean, two significant figures in my life, and I met you both on the same day. He's like, oh, "Hey, are funny. you Matt Green?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, on more serious notes, Robert and I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have said this already that you and I, Robert, co-wrote the plant-based athlete, due out June fifteenth, uh, with Harper Collins Publishers. We have not, uh, well, Harper One to be specific. Um, first time we've, I have worked with a major publisher, so that is super exciting. It feels quite a bit different this time around. Uh, and first time, Robert, that you have uh, have not self-published, right? Yeah, that's that's right. I've, I've I've only known self-publishing and usually driving around the country in my car and sleeping in that or a cheap motel. And so this is a this is definitely a step up in a lot of ways. And I mean, as you know from what the experience has been like, it's just just so much more significant and and so much more complete and uh, so many more steps along the way. But it's been a, a wild ride, and we're, we're so close that you, we can almost feel the finish line coming soon. I th- that's actually a good theme, I think, for this episode, because um, I just feel like recently I have entered a new phase. And I don't want to say old and washed up, but it kind of feels like I'm heading in that direction. <laughs> it doesn't feel like the old days. It doesn't feel like we're new at this anymore. Nomad Athlete is... is the old guard now in this plant-based fitness space. You know, it's not it's not like when we were just new and like one of the first people doing this. Uh, Robert, I know you felt very similar. Um, so I just think it's a it's a kind of a cool thing. Like we and and you've done the self-publishing thing, the hustling thing, and it's not that you're hustling any less now. Uh, it's just in a different way. It's in a way I think that is in some way more legitimate. Uh, comes with a lot more experience and wisdom. Uh, you know, just doing things differently this time around. And for me, when it comes to fitness uh, and diet too, to some extent, I've kind of had an evolution in that same direction. Uh, I don't have like these super motivating, uh, impassioned goals like qualify for Boston or or run a hundred miler. Uh, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about fitness like in a new way now about about longevity and and mobility and gotten you know that seems that has always seemed kind of boring to me like that kind of fitness which is why i think i've been so bad at actually doing it uh but recently i've i have been successful and and actually have gotten like super motivated about adding muscle and losing fat and like all those stuff that i haven't really thought about since college like i didn't really care about that stuff when i was running because i was just focused on running but it it's just kind of neat to uh feel like i'm discovering fitness again uh through different eyes through a different lens uh and that is one where i don't like 
you know, kill myself doing stupid stuff. I, I know that like if I see an injury coming on, I can sense that because I've I've been through plenty of injuries and different things, uh, and I can stop. I don't I don't just like try to plow through it like I would have used to done. So I don't know. I just think it's different, and I think it, that's kind of a, a useful uh, or interesting metaphor, or the book is a useful metaphor for that. So anyway, uh, enough about me. Robert, can you bring us up to speed, uh, you know, assuming no one's heard previous interviews, although I'm sure people have, um, but like, where, you know, people know you as as vegan bodybuilder Robert Cheek. Uh, you've been that, then you stopped bodybuilding, got into running for a while, you got much more into the very clean plant-based, whole food plant-based eating when you were doing the eCornell course, I remember. Uh, you know, then I, then you put on a bunch of weight again. Recently, I just heard today, you told me you've gained now 100 pounds since you got your start at 120 pounds. Now you're at 220, uh, which I did not know about. So congratulations on that. Uh, anyway, let us know. I want to hear where you are. Like where, where I just told you kind of how my little fitness evolution has been. Where, uh, where is Robert Cheek these days? Well, it sounds like I need to be texting you more photos then. I, uh, I I text photos to my childhood friends back home all the time of like me standing on the scale, 221. I even got 223.2. Um, and I have all the photos of me at 120 pounds and even at 89 pounds when I was in eighth grade. Uh, you know, I it's been, it's been one heck of a journey. And for those that... Uh, maybe don't know a whole lot about my, my background. I'll just mention, I'll just briefly cover it. You know, I grew up on a farm and raised animals and showed animals at the county fair and sold them in auctions. And at age 15, Wayne, uh, uh, the beast mode, like 120 pounds decided that I no longer wanted to contribute to animal cruelty and, and became vegan. Didn't really know much about it or how long I would stick with it. I tried it for a week. And now it's been more than 1300 weeks, more than a quarter century. And uh, throughout that time, I was a long distance runner. Uh, all those first years, the first five years, I even ran one year collegiately at, at Oregon State University. Uh, and I loved running, but I also wanted to get bigger and stronger. And that meant a lot to me for a lot of different reasons and personal reasons, uh, often just craving the things that we don't have or things that we uh, are inspired by in others and, and motivated by. And so I started lifting weights and Eventually, I, I put on about 75 pounds in the first eight years or so and became a competitive bodybuilder and then later a champion bodybuilder and then later a champion bodybuilder again. And then I started writing books about this because I, it was kind of a, a bit of a foreign concept back then, even to put on 75 pounds on a plant-based diet in the early 2000s. It was kind of like, you know, uh, I started in 1995 and and by mid to early 2000s, I was I was already winning bodybuilding competitions and and I and I wrote some books about it and and then like you said I I my lifestyle evolved and I started eating differently and I I took Dr. T. Colin Campbell's plant-based nutrition course and I cut out you know processed foods and 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 supplements that I was loading up on uh, aside from vitamin B12 and I worked for Forks Over Knives and I just had a different perspective at that time but at the same time that coincided with uh, me stepping away from weight training and bodybuilding. And I dropped all the way down to 165 pounds where I, I had previously been 195 as a competitive bodybuilder. And so I really started from that point again, when I started lifting weights again, and that, uh, you know, that, that 165 turned into 205 in maybe 18 months training with Vanessa Espinoza, who was someone we, we wrote about in our book. And she became a great motivating training partner. And I've been now over 200 pounds for probably the last five years, but, but really no more than 207, 208. But during the last year of, of pandemic and, uh, 
uh, working on this book and and being highly motivated to be consistent and inspired by really often to be honest inspired by the book itself by not just our own writing but the stories in the book i've been working really really hard and now these days i am 220 pounds and that's not all muscle there's some fat there as well uh but it's uh it's just a different point in my life these days as, as well and like you said matt some words that came to mind for, to me is that i think we're, we're both a bit more mature now um, that's the word that comes to mind we're, we're, we're focused on longevity and health and wellness and different types of consistency and helping other people and you know we don't need to tell our stories those have already been told and already been written about and talked about but now it's an opportunity for us to hopefully inspire a lot of other people who are maybe newer to this lifestyle and just getting started and along the way like you i've felt some significant burnout some significant uh, fatigue of, of doing this for so long i mean you know imagine promoting this lifestyle for a quarter century and being someone who's a bit of a go-getter and, and hustler and just constantly spamming the internet promoting the lifestyle and, and writing books and giving speeches and going on tour and doing interviews uh it, it gets it gets a little bit exhausting and i think this project has allowed us to slow down a little bit and in some ways maybe revitalize our career uh because i felt the same as you i felt a bit old school and washed up and not part of the cool club on social media and Instagram and TikTok and and maybe forgotten about or overlooked. And uh, and that affected me, you know, surely emotionally to some degree. You know, we all have some level of ego, but it also motivated me and inspired me to create, you know, my best work. And that's not just writing. That's with training. That's with nutrition. That's with just representing myself the best way that I can and, and discovering the best version of myself. And that's Kind of where i'm at and maybe it's you know now that we're both in our 40s uh, maybe that's part of it but i think we we do have this kind of revitalized rejuvenated um, career at this point even having done this for so long and i think this book has been a big part of that robert i appreciate that that you uh that matt said washed up and you said mature <laughs> <laughs> I thought elements. we I thought we would have lost you, Doug, when Doug, when uh, Robert mentioned TikTok. I thought maybe that that would have uh, <laughs> yeah, like triggered something. Triggered, to me. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, Robert, Doug has given up social media uh, three days ago for a month. That's so. right. Well, did you did you guys know that I did that for uh, many many months? I I can't remember that. I mean, completely. I mean, um, whoops, am I still here? You're still yep. here. Okay, my computer like went like it went like screensaver mode. Okay. Hey, we're too old for this. Yeah, I got to start moving my <laughs> mouse more often here. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I deleted every app. It was off my phone completely, and uh, I was off some platforms like Twitter for over a year, Instagram for many months, Facebook for many months. I didn't do. I mean, zero. I wouldn't even look at it on someone else's phone. It was like I was completely away from social media and actually all news media. No television. I wouldn't even listen to the radio. And I'll tell you, that was one of the most productive times of my entire life. Hmm. I wrote two self-published books during that time. I got in some of the best shape of my life because I wasn't addicted to checking my phone between every set at the gym, which most people are, whether they're aware of it or not. They, they totally are. I observe this all the time. And I, w I had a, a better mind-muscle connection in the gym. I spent more quality time with my family and loved ones. I was present during meals. When, when I w and then I had the ability to look around the table, and everyone was playing on their phone, uh, including on our Vegan Strong tours. I mean, everyone's just playing on their phone and updating photos for Instagram. And I was, my phone was in the car, and I was there to enjoy the, 
the company that I was with and being away from TV and news media and, and other forms of media was, was so fantastic. And, and just learning about a bit more about myself and my own addiction to these devices. And we, we can say that we're not, people can, you know, try to defend themselves all they want. Say, oh, I'm not addicted. I have all the, all the self-control over, over these platforms, but I'm not so sure. And then I found the connection to just simply, uh, having so much more time to do other things that I really wanted to do more time to go hiking, more time to exercise, more time spent with my dogs, more time spent with my wife, more spent time spent with family and friends and, and doing these meaningful things that before I was just too busy looking at my phone and, and, you know, posting funny things on Twitter. And, and I have to say that was one of the best things I've done. And I, and I actually was doing it leading up to this book launch. And I only got back on certain platforms like Twitter because you know, we have this book coming out and I figured that might be helpful. And I'm honestly, I'm not even sure how helpful it is, really. I think interviews and podcasts and and uh, meet other forms of media, newsletters are, are even, you know, much more helpful than, you know, yeah. tweeting something. I tend to think you're right. And, and I think it's, at the very least, I think it's a very good thing for anyone to do. Just try a period like Doug is where you don't have it. I think that's, I think, and then you might decide to come back and that's fine because then at least you see what the other side is kind of like. So I think... Uh, Totally agree. And actually, I want to get in later, Robert, to things like accountability, uh, motivation. How do you how do you maintain habits or or you know prevent yourself from doing bad habits? Because um, I know that's that's just something that I think I and a lot of other people have always associated you with. Uh, perhaps because, like I mentioned, the first time I ever saw you speak, it was a it was a motivational kind of rah rah talk. Um, but it, more than that, it was it was like being really honest with yourself and saying, you know, you know, if you're truly honest, you know, how many calories, do you actually know how many calories you're eating? And in your food log, are you actually recording everything or do you, do you let some things slide? Um, and so that self-honesty is something I've always kind of associated with you, uh, and your message. So I do want to get to that. But, um, first I do want to talk more about just, just what you talked about this putting on of a hundred pounds. I think that is an astounding amount, uh, obviously, uh, especially on a plant-based diet, but there are a lot of people who, who I come across because I'm one of them, uh, who consider themselves to be hard gainers, which is just the term meaning you don't put on weight very easily. You, you put it on more easily than you, uh, sorry, you, you keep it off more easily than you put it on. So, so the problem is rarely, how do you lose weight, but how do you gain weight? Uh, that's not the case, obviously for most people, probably even most people listening to this podcast, because it's just not what most people's tendency is. Uh, to way too little versus way too less, uh, but uh, still, I think I think certainly you will have some some useful advice for people who uh, you know do want to put on weight, especially with a plant based diet, and especially with a healthy version of a plant based diet, because that that's a lot of uh, constraints there as far as the the foods you can choose, uh, and and the most calorically dense, typically the ones that I think are are thought of as the easiest or the the foods that are most helpful for putting on weight, uh, not necessarily healthily, but but for putting it on. Uh, you know, those are, those are off the menu when you eat a whole food or nearly whole food plant-based diet. So I'd like to talk about that, but I also wonder, you know, kind of speaking to the, to the sustainability and maturity, uh, and this focus on the long term, like how much effort is it for you to keep 220 pounds on your body? Because you mentioned that when you kind of stopped trying, you went down to 160, which is what happens to me. If I stop trying at all, I'll immediately lose, you know, 10 or 15 pounds. Um, but that's like, I always have that argument in my head. I'm like, I think about like, maybe I'll just try to put on a bunch of weight and, and, you know, hit, I don't know, gain 10, 15 pounds just to, 
just because it looks good and feels good and it's like just something different. But then I think the cost to me of sustaining that is having to eat all the time when so much of what I'm learning about longevity is that like less calories is usually the the better thing and less calorically dense meals are better. So I just wonder about that trade-off for you. Certainly there is one. No one's going to say there is no trade-off here. Uh, but we pursue, you know, sports that are extreme in varying degrees and we do it at the expense often of long-term health, but, but kind of in the background, there's still this focus on health. So where do you, uh, where do you come out there? And, and then also, can you, can you talk a little bit about how you have managed to put on a hundred pounds in total over the years? Yeah, thanks, Matt. And I'm glad you mentioned consistency because that's the word I used to write in my early books was the most important word in the world. And I'm starting to believe that again, because it just, it just identify like defines who we are it, that that reveals our identity and it's really this we are the sum of our actions and and consistency is so important and it's not just with exercise or even with food it's what we do it's basically habits what we do with our time are we you know consistently uh watching tons of television using surfing the internet and all these things and those are totally acceptable activities if that's what your where your enjoyment comes from but if their goal is to build muscle and we're doing all these other things that are not consistent uh, you know, in, in relation to achieving that goal, then we need to uh, really audit ourselves and be honest about our, what we're really doing. And so I'm glad you picked that up even on that presentation I gave more than 10 years ago when you were in the audience was I'm a real big fan of being honest with ourselves and, um, and, and having that self-awareness and being okay with even not feeling good about some of the things that we do. That's the way that we can address them and create positive changes. So Getting back to this specific topic, I'm actually one of the, I consider myself one of the biggest hard gainers that I know. I mean, you know my story that when I first went from running to bodybuilding, I trained for an entire year with, with all kinds of enthusiasm. I mean, just as much as I could muster. And, I, and after an entire year, I gained one pound. I mean, it just, it just wasn't in the cards for me. And, and I hadn't gained that much over those five years, my first five years of being vegan. I mean, from 120 to 150, and, and that's largely from just aging, from being a 15-year-old to a 20-year-old. But I still just weighed 150. I was a long-distance runner, and I, I just couldn't put on weight. And then I just had to change my behavior. Basically, what I, in, in a nutshell, what I had to do was reduce a lot of the excess calorie expenditure, a lot of the cardiovascular training that I was doing, running and cycling and just being just super, super active, including weight training and everything else that I was doing, and focus more specifically on the resistance weight training, using a lot of free weights and using drop sets and supersets and being really deliberate about what I was doing and training six days a week with weights. And also having a meal program that supported that, meaning that I had to consume a calorie surplus. And for the first few years, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't documenting anything. I wasn't tracking anything. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to, but what I'm suggesting is that people do it for a few days or even a week, uh, track everything that you do, your, your calorie consumption, your liquid consumption, your exercise expenditure, even your hours of sleep. And you'll learn so much about yourself and you realize, wow, I, I, I can't believe that I've been plant-based all these years, yet I never eat salads or leafy green vegetables, or that I drink caffeine every single day, or that I'm addicted to chocolate and didn't even know it, or that I stay up until 1.30 in the morning every night, but I wasn't aware of it because it just was so normal to me, or that, you know, I miss certain aspects of nutrition because, you know, I don't supplement with B12 or I don't do this, or I, you know, I maybe have a, a shortage of vitamin D because I live in this kind of uh, climate. I don't eat these certain fortified foods or supplement with this. 
it just reveals so much about ourselves. And so I was actually doing those self audits back when I was 19, 20 years old. And once I figured that out and realized, man, Robert, you got to just eat more and be a little more focused or a lot more focused and deliberate on your nutrition program and your training program. I put on 19 pounds in 12 weeks, 28 pounds over a 10 month period, another 10 pounds the following year and became a competitive bodybuilder. And then when it, you know, like, like you, my body, when I'm not training, if I have an injury and I've had my share for sure, my body goes right back down. You know, it, it was hard for me to maintain 195 as a bodybuilder. I mean, I would just shrink back down to 170. And when I stopped lifting altogether at, at the same time that I was doing Dr. Campbell's Cornell program and, and transitioning to this whole food diet, getting rid of the processed foods and and limiting oils and limiting sports supplements and all that, uh, you know, I dropped, you know, cause I wasn't, I was going back into running and I was running and I was running long distances, you know, for an hour at a time or some, some long um, 10 mile runs or whatever the case is. And my body just got smaller again. And so it basically that, that is, that revealed consistency to me, right? I mean, I had a break in weight training and here's what happened. I had a break in calorie surplus and here's what happened. I was consistently running and here's what happened. Like it was just a byproduct of my actions, whether positive or negative, it's always been that way. So like when I get hurt, when I get injured and I can't train, if I have like a, a spine injury in my lower back, herniated discs or something where I'm away from the gym for months, I gain a bunch of weight. Why? Because I'm still eating. Uh, I'm still eating like a bodybuilder, but I'm, but I'm not training like a body. I'm not training at all. And so this is what happens to most people. Most people, uh, tend to uh, overeat and under-exercise, whether it's out of habit or out of um, just preference or behavior or unknown behavior they're not aware of, thinking that the one or two days a week of exercise is really five days a week. And a lot of us do that. We really think we're more active than we are. And the thing is, our bodies don't uh, don't get tricked that way. You know, if we if we do certain behaviors over and over and over, that becomes our consistent behavior. And that's where we end up. So for me to put all this muscle back on from 165 to, you know, 215 or 205 in those first 18 months or so is really what I'm doing right now as well. Uh, you know, as I'm talking to you, I mean, I'm, I'm back at it five or six days a, w a week with, with resistance weight training. I'm eating a calorie surplus, uh, you know, beyond what I'm expending. But to, to really answer your question, Matt, it's, it's not th those foods that you're always thinking of. Uh, like, like you said, the, the super calorie dense or maybe some processed foods or nut butters or nuts or seeds or a bunch of avocado added to smoothies. It's just understanding that you expend X amount of calories uh, and, and you consume Y amount of calories and to simply consume more of the things like sweet potatoes or broccoli or beans or oats, fruits, berries, that kind of stuff. It, do it doesn't mean to just splurge on this super heavy protein rich smoothie, or I've got to eat these like, you know, four microwavable burritos in a day to reach an extra 1200 calories or whatever. It's just saying, Hey, I'm going to have a few hundred, maybe, or a couple hundred extra calories beyond what I expend every day. And it's going to come from good quality sources. So it's not getting stored as fat, but it's going to help me, um, you know, actually recover and, and build muscle. And it's going to fuel me and make me feel good and provide all this nutrition for me. And over time, it's going to add up. You know, I've been training consistently now for the last nine months after I took a bit of a break, like many of us did in the early days of the pandemic. But that's the thing. I've been, it's not that I 
I, I gained a bunch of weight right away. It's taken me nine months to put on this, this last, you know, 12 or, or 15 pounds or whatever, but I've been getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And as you get stronger, you tend to often get bigger and, and then your, your, your appetite increases. And the more you exercise, the more you want to eat to replenish and rebuild. So that's really the recipe um, that I've done it. And, and also just for the, the, the true transparent documentation, I'm actually tracking it right now, every single day for an entire week, just to have that. So when people ask like, Hey, you know, this guy really, you know, put on this muscle or does he, what's he really doing behind the scenes to do this? Is he just pounding five protein drinks a day or, or just, you know, eating four pizzas a day or whatever. And I have that. So I can just, you know, I can share that with people to show what really goes on behind the scenes. Cool, and we we might do that surprise with the uh, with the book. There may be some surprise bonuses that are announced that involve Robert Teague revealing that information. Uh, don't want to get any more into that just yet. Uh, we need to thank. Well, no, we get to thank our lovely sponsors. Uh, when we get back from that, I want to talk to you about the sustainability still of that, uh, and and see where you come out there. Uh, but in the meantime. <laughs> this episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Element, the electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. As athletes, we know that electrolytes are critical for feeling and performing our best, and they help with muscle cramps, fatigue, and of course, so much more. But a lot of electrolyte drinks are filled with artificial ingredients, coloring, and sugar. Enter Element, free from all of the junk. And uh, I'm sure you guys love a good electrolyte drink. I'm feeling a little under, under the weather today, so I've actually been drinking Element all morning uh, as a way to get extra hydrated. I have used Element for that exact same thing, Doug. All right. Element is used by NFL teams, NBA players, and coaches, and by moms, dads, and weekend warriors looking for extra hydration during, um, during a workout. Try Element today, totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend, and, uh, and we'll, they'll give you your money back with no, no questions asked. Element is offering something special for the Nomad Athlete audience. You can get the Element Sample Pack with the four flavors absolutely free if you just pay for shipping, which uh, if you live in the U.S. is just $5. So go to drinkelement.com slash athlete. That's drinklmnt.com slash athlete. And stay salty, everyone. Stay salty, my friends. <laughs> Every day there's a new wellness trend. Eat that, do this, avoid those. How do you know where to start, Doug and Robert? Or who do you trust besides Doug and Robert? <laughs> Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-backed, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better, which is exactly what we're talking about today. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Their blood test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests, like your ferritin levels or vitamin D levels. My favorite part, though, is that they don't just give you the data. They provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So that, as Doug said, you don't end up sleeping on uh, on on tubes of cold water running. Uh, you, don't, you don't fall for gimmicks. <laughs> to help you have you do a real action plan. <laughs> for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering Nomad Athlete Radio listeners twenty five percent off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash nma. Change is an inside job. Start inside. The bed thing. I'm. I know we make fun of it. I've gotten an hour and fifteen, and then an hour. 
and seven minutes in my past two nights of sleep, Doug. I'm, of I'm, deep sleep? I'm That's deep, pretty good. Yeah, and yep, 90 point sleep scores, which I don't care about. I don't care about the stupid scores, but still kind of like seeing that 90 and a little crown next to it. Well, congratulations, man. I'm sure that feels good. Thank you. Anyway, back to uh, more serious topics. Robert, I mentioned, I, I mentioned at the beginning of that question, which you artfully dodged, uh, <laughs> the question about sustainability. What do, you, what do you tell yourself when you think, this is a whole lot of effort for me to keep. I mean, I'm sure it's not that much effort for you because you're used to it. Um, but like, I just, I just wonder about the healthfulness of like having to keep putting forth the effort to eat lots of more calories so that I can stay uh, at the weight I want instead of just kind of doing what maybe is my more natural level of, of intake and probably, probably being better in the long term for it. Do you think about that issue or you just think, well, I'm, because what you've said is you, you feel like you're in great shape. This helps you feel motivated. This helps you, you know, want to go to the gym and do activities and makes you a really good example, some, a good spokesperson for this lifestyle. So I can definitely see the positive. But is that is that where you are uh, where you were falling with this? Yeah, I definitely was cutting through the noise and uh, artfully dodging that question with my other long-winded response uh, <laughs> while I paused uh, during the commercial break to think of my actual answer. And, uh, and now it's come to me, and like a miracle. And really, Matt, I think it, on a serious note, it comes down to asking yourself why. Like, why are you doing it in the first place? Like, why does it matter to you? Who cares? I mean, obviously, uh, my natural body weight would be a, a little bit lower than what I'm doing now, but it's, 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 it's the way I feel and why I want to do this that compels me. And I've, I've wanted to make a statement for veganism. That's why I started this 25 years ago. I wanted to show that you unequivocally that you can build muscle on a plant-based diet. And there's, to me, there's no better example than, than showing like, look, I, I put on a hundred pounds doing this and became a champion athlete, which gave me a, a great fulfilling career and plenty of opportunities to, to, to do things I, I also wanted to do, like travel the world and speak on stages in, in Asia and Australia and Europe and Canada and the Caribbean and, and all over the U.S. and North America. And th- those were all part of it, too. And so I, I asked myself, why? Like, is this sustainable? Is this, is this a, a, a healthy thing to do? Is this what does it mean to me? Uh, how, what kind of impact could it have on other people? And, and that's, and that's why I do it. And also, you know, I I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's a little bit of work, but so, so is writing a book. So is making a movie. So is getting a a job. Uh, so is, so are relationships. So anything takes work and, or becoming a really elite athlete. Like we learned from so many people we talked about, or we talked to, uh, interviewing for the book. There's, there's this element of, of desire behind it of this is something that I want to achieve. And here's the reasons why, even if it's little things that, that may seem minor, like, like building self-confidence or, or this, this feeling of pride or this feeling of accomplishment or this leading by example, that's maybe going to inspire other people that they too can achieve their goals, even if their goals are wildly different. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I do my best to do it in a, in a healthy way. As I've been telling you recently, I do things like using the, the, the Stairmaster every other day where I'm climbing off in 120 flights of stairs at a time. It's something that, uh, that, that brings me some sort of level of, of satisfaction that yes, I'm eating a calorie surplus, I'm putting on muscle, but I'm also doing this, this training for my heart, for my lungs, for my, uh, you know, to combat body fat. So I don't accumulate too much during this muscle building process. I impact my endurance, my, 
my leg strength, my leg definition from my calves to my hamstrings to my quads to my glutes, even affecting my core as I, you know, stand on this on the stairmaster climbing stairs for 20 to 40 minutes at a time. Uh, there's reasons behind it. And so I think we have to just answer that question for ourselves. You know, we have 1,440 minutes in a day. What are we doing with our time and how does that relate to the meaningful goals that we have? And so for me, uh, there's this muscle gaining process that I'm on. Yeah, it's a process and it takes hard work. It'd be easier for me to be a lighter weight. Maybe, maybe healthier. I'm not sure. It's, I, I don't actually know that for sure because I don't feel that this is an, an unhealthy weight at, at six feet tall and 220 pounds and, and fairly muscular and, and, and still you know, fairly fit and agile and all these things. I, I, think it's, I think it's fine. But what it does for me is it, it opens up this opportunity for conversation where now I'm doing podcast interviews almost every day. Like, I mean, who actually builds 100 pounds on a plant-based diet at, and, and you know, is around to talk about it? Like, I, I think it's, there's something unique there. And it's not just like this milestone of building 100 pounds. Really, it comes down to setting a meaningful goal and then working you know, your entire life to achieve it. And, and even when there are setbacks and when there are injuries and when interests change and you go back to doing something else like long distance running, you can still come back and follow a system, a model, a blueprint to help get you there. And if, and if we're just dedicated enough and if we're just focused enough, that this can apply to anything. I mean, this is how I, this is how I set you know, some academic records in school. And this is how I, I, I set records in other areas, including work performance and sales figures and all this silly stuff for jobs that I've had in the past. It's, I follow the same model, the same blueprint that if you want something bad enough, create a program, an outline, hold yourself accountable, audit yourself, be consistent, which means showing up day after day, even when you don't want to, like Doug today, feeling a little bit under the weather, but he's here and he's rocking the podcast. He's in the house. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's it's those kinds of things, and, and and a lot of people maybe are missing that, or they don't have that in them, or they don't have that fire. And I'm trying to show you that you can find that fire, even if you don't intrinsically feel it or inherently have it within you. Find something that 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 provides you joy. It doesn't have to be something you're passionate about, but find something that brings you joy. And for me, it, it's that it's that time with with free weights, whether it's an hour or ninety minutes, that. I'm just, I'm away from my phone. I'm just there either in the gym or at home and I'm, I'm in my own little world. I have my mind muscle connection. I, I, I even do things like I don't even just count reps, like numbers. I, I often count letters. I spell words. I, I think of meaningful things like uh, maybe relatives of mine who are, who are uh, going through a tough time with their, with their health and I spell out their names or or I find something else to focus on besides just counting, you know, up to one to 10 in reps. It's, it's a much more meaningful experience. And I think that's what leads to, at least for me, better results. Much like when you guys are running, I'm sure there, there's, there's running and then there's being really in it with your mind and like powering through like this hundred miler is, is something that most people don't do. This is very, very intense, very, very stressful, but this is what it means to me. This is why I'm doing it. This is a story I want to tell. This is how it may impact other people. This is how I'm going to come out on the other side with a different perspective. And, and that's what I do with, with weight training. And I simply just eat more of these you know, relatively healthy foods to uh, add extra weight over time. And I realize that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint and that these things take time. And that even this accomplishment, if you want to call it that, of you know gaining 100 pounds, took a quarter century. But it was something that I set out to do at age 15. I, when I, I actually believe it or not, I, 
I determined as a teenager that my ideal body weight would be about 225 pounds because I followed these pro wrestlers and I looked at their builds on in magazines and on TV and I saw, man, 5'11 or 6 feet tall, which is where I fit in at, at 225 pounds. Man, that would be perfect for me and maybe I'll be a pro wrestler someday. And so it was one of those things that just stuck with me. And then now here I am where I'm, I'm getting to that size and, and feeling confident about it and hopefully opening up doors for other people to believe in themselves, even if their goal is the complete opposite. They want to lose 100 pounds. It comes down to showing up, believing in yourself and, and being accountable for your actions every day and finding some joy in the process. Wonderful. So we've now addressed my uh, my motivation accountability question that I was planning to ask later about kind of what, what you do these days that keeps you motivated after all these years. Uh, it, when it's not the same stuff that's going to obviously mo- motivate a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old uh, like we were when we got started with the, the fitness journey. Um, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll touch back a little bit about that again, um, just kind of with specific tricks. Because you mentioned the two-day rule to me the other day, and I wanted to t- come back to that. Um, but... I don't, before we go too far from this weight gain, weight loss topic. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, Doug, by the way, dedicates miles of uh, races, right, Doug, to to people, relatives? Yeah. Family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, we'll, you know, think of someone throughout that mile and really use that as an opportunity to, to, to dedicate the mile to somebody, to spend that time thinking about them in a powerful, motivating way. There you go. I'm the only one who doesn't. <laughs> you gotta think um, of something during your Turkish getup. Uh, that's that's where I wanted to go. I've been trying to uh, to uh, haven't been trying. I started doing the kettlebells thing, and I love it. And it's like the first thing that has really inspired me since since Muay Thai, which was like two years ago. Uh, so I'm really excited about fitness again, which is awesome. Uh, I started putting on muscle. wasn't even trying to. I just did this to start kind of feeling in shape after the the COVID weight, um, and it's been good. And I've started putting on muscle, and then you know, starting to think, wow, I'd like to lose some of this fat too. Cause every time I put on muscle, uh, fat comes with it. And that for me really was like the distinction when I was in college that I finally, when I finally figured out how to gain weight after struggling for years at it, uh, for me, it was stop running, which is what you mentioned, Robert. I was trying to marathon train and gain weight at the same time. And that was a horrible idea. Uh, so I stopped that. And then I also started eating lots of fatty foods. And this is before I was, I was vegetarian or vegan or anything. Um, so what I was eating, you know, that doesn't matter. And I figured out how to do it without that. But still, when I am successful at putting on muscle, uh, it seems that fat comes with it. I have not figured out a way, and I don't know if there is a way, but this is what I'd like to ask you. Is there a secret to, like, putting on muscle and losing fat while you lose that muscle? I mean, you just mentioned doing Stairmaster while you're still also trying to eat a lot to make sure you keep this calorie surplus or, I guess, surplus relative to, to your your smaller weight. Um but like, you know, that, that would have been a complete off limits thing for me, something like a Stairmaster before. So it sounds like you've, you've achieved a better balance where you are still getting some cardio in. Um, but from your bodybuilding days, or if you still do this now, like, is it better to put on the weight first, get, or sorry, put on the muscle first, accept that fat's going to come with it, and then go through some period where you, where you cut the fat in, in some way that, you know, you change your training, change your diet so that you lose fat and hopefully hold on to some muscle. Or... Can you do it in the meantime? Because what I've been trying to do is a, a one, a twenty-four hour fast each week, one time, uh, and hoping that during that period I can I can burn some fat. Because I've read a lot about fasting, and it appears that you can you can fast for quite a while without muscle loss. Um, so I've been working on that strategy. 
I don't want to get into that fasting in your opinion, although you're welcome to give it, but what I really want to hear about is the, the fat loss thing. Is it something that you can lose fat while you gain muscle or does it need to be separate phases? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a big question. And I believe that you can do both at the same time. In fact, I, I tackled this in my book, Shred It, I believe, because, and, and it's, we don't have time to, to dive super deep into this right now. But what I'll say is that if you do it in a specific way, like I, I kind of alluded to earlier, where you you do eat in a, a small calorie surplus, and I'm just talking maybe a couple hundred extra calories, and those come from good quality sources, and you do your uh, cardiovascular fat burning exercise in a in a fat burning zone, which is typically you know maybe hours after you've eaten or in a fasted state first thing in the morning or following a weight training workout, and you, you just don't have as as much stored carbohydrate to burn through. Uh, I believe you can still eat in a calorie surplus while burning fat along the way, therefore gaining lean muscle incrementally throughout the process. And what this looks like is it's not overnight. And that's the thing people have to understand, Matt, is that this may take many months, but I've, I've been able to do it myself and I've seen other people do it. It's quite common in bodybuilding that you can add small amounts of lean muscle over time where your body fat doesn't go up. Now, it's, it's much more common, even in bodybuilding, of course, it's much more common to just add on a, a bunch of overall mass of muscle and fat, and then later on, you know, sh- uh, shed the fat. Uh, you know, I guess one of the risks there is that you, you get hurt or you don't get around to shedding the fat and you're just stuck with a bunch of excess body fat that you weren't necessarily planning on having uh, for an extended period of time. And so what I really encourage people to do, and I did this getting ready for a bodybuilding competition Oh, maybe eight. It was one of my, my last one of the last ones I ever did, maybe eight years ago or so. Was that, you know, I, I started my day every morning. I would wake up, whether I felt like it or not. I would go uh, use like a rowing machine or stairmaster or stationary bike. You know, I wasn't actually doing like running or I didn't want to go get, get too far into like cardiovascular, you know, training. I wanted to do something that would still uh, train my muscles like in a resistance kind of way, like a rowing machine where you're pulling, you know, hard with your arms and your back. And so it, you're, tr- you're training muscles at the same time. You're, you're doing, you're training your heart and lungs and cardiovascular training. And so I started every day with that, that fat burning uh, exercise on empty stomach just for maybe 25 minutes, but it got me into this fat burning zone. And then later I would, I would eat after that and I would eat healthy foods, maybe oats with berries and walnuts and fruits as snacks throughout the day and some Lara bars and all that. Then get into more like a burrito bowl for lunch or something with uh, sweet potatoes or potatoes or lentils and beans and, and all of that great stuff or, you know, tofu and vegetables, um, kale, broccoli, leafy greens, and, and then do a weight training workout later on. And usually around five or 6 PM, and then if I wanted to even do more fat burning exercise, uh, especially cardiovascular exercise, after a one hour workout, when I've kind of burned through my, my stored carbohydrate, glycogen stores, my fuel, I would, again, after an hour or whatever it's been, an hour and 20 minutes of heavy weight training, get on something like the Stairmaster. And now here I am, you, you're feeling hungry, you're feeling tired, you've burned through your, your stored glycogen, you're, you're, you're ready for your body to call upon fat as fuel and, and eat that up. And, and then for another 20, 25 minutes, I, I ride the stairs. Now you may say, well, that's like a, you think about all of that combined, that's like a, I don't know, a two hour commitment or something like that. Uh, that may seem like a lot, but again, if we are, are auditing our time, and we're spending a little less time surfing the internet, a little less time 
checking social media notifications, a little less time doing this or that. That's not that big of a deal. It's an investment into our goals. It's an investment into our future. It's an investment into our our, our health or this this process of attaining something meaningful. And and there you have it. And, and then I eat a little bit of a calorie surplus. And there I was, you still building muscle slowly, but without adding the body fat. And I and I've done this a few times throughout my life. And I I really believe that is possible. It just takes it takes so much discipline that it's just not practical for most people. Most people just don't have it in them. They're just like, nope, I, you know, I, I got to eat this, you know, vegan ice cream or I've got to, you know, my, my excess calories have to come from, you know, grilled cheese sandwich. It just has to. It's just the way it is. <laughs> right, right. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to live in a world where I don't have a grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, and, 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 and I don't want to go to the gym twice in a day. Right? You know, I just don't have that in me because it's so much easier to sit in a chair. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing. And I'm not saying most people are lazy. I'm just saying that's what makes some people stand out in their ability to achieve this very rare type of outcome of building muscle and burning fat at the same time where others don't because it takes some sort of, I don't want to say sacrifice, but it takes some sort of discipline. And it certainly takes self-awareness and accountability and consistency, but it can be done. And we can, t- we can break it down in a future conversation about what that actually looks like, like what the, the Harris-Benedict equation and, and your estimated uh, calorie expenditure versus your calorie intake looks like and exactly how many, you know, a, a surplus of 200 calories per day over the course of a week is an extra 1400 calories over the course of a month is what an extra 5600 calories, something like that, doing the quick math. I know Matt's the math guy, but you, you, you put yourself in this position where then you can, okay, now what does it look like nine months down the road? Okay, now that looks like an extra 50,000, you know, calorie consumption of real, mostly real whole foods. <laughs> with resistance weight training there, I just built muscle over a six or nine month period, uh, without gaining, uh, much extra fat. And it's, you have to look at it in the, in the long range, not just in the short term, like what does next month look like, but how does this impact me for the next six to 12 months? And if you can stick with the plan, you know, it's much like, like education or something else. I mean, you gotta, you gotta put in the work over a period of time and then you get that degree, then you get that qualification, then you get that certificate, then you're ready to go out and, and do something with what you've accomplished. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what I referred to at the beginning, that that wisdom, like that's one of the big things that has come for me with time is this idea that like, you're, you're just not going to, like as much as you want these goals to happen in the next two months or three months, and it feels like you have to get to this next level of whatever it is you're in, you have to get there. What I realized over time is that, you know, if you just stick with something for five years, it's so much easier to to get there. And that's not what everyone wants to hear. I get it. I get that it's fun to think about really short-term results. But one of the most powerful tools you have is is time and just consistency over time uh, of moving in a direction. And to me, that's, I don't know, when I qualified for Boston, like that's, it, it wasn't that I got that much better at running or ate that much better. It was that, it was that I just ran for five or six years focusing on that goal. And that's what, that's what made it happen. So uh, glad to hear all that. Uh, we are almost out of time here, Robert. Really quick, let's talk about uh, two-day rule because I heard you mention it the other day. Do you have any like specific tools like that that you that you use for motivation? I'm I'm thinking you probably don't have many because you've mentioned many much deeper reasons. Again, going back to that theme of kind of as we get older, we we need less of these tricks and hacks, and it's more about uh, understanding just sort of what motivates you. But like, do you do a, a two-day rule where you don't miss twice on a certain habit? Uh, you don't you don't miss just two days in a row. Uh, or do you have any other things that you do? I mean, you've mentioned tracking things a few times, anything that like, that you just sort of swear by to keep you going. 
in in one minute because we got to talk about the book. Yeah, uh, yeah, real quickly. I I do like I try to use the stairmaster. You know, every other day I don't like to go two days without doing it because guess what, Matt? That leads to three days. It leads to four days. It leads to five days. It leads to making excuses, giving yourself a pass, and that doesn't help you with your with your goal. If that action is is working toward achieving that goal, not doing it doesn't help you get there. So I don't allow myself more than two days typically to avoid that. Uh, it just helps me stay on track, and then. I do things, I've been doing this for years, including when I stay at your house, when I visit, I eat uh, citrus before I go to bed every night. It's just this mental thing of consuming vitamin C and vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, water, hydration, nourishment before bed. It just makes me go to sleep feeling like, you know, I'm going to wake up feeling well. And then, like I said, I think of things like, you know, um, people's names and other other important things when I do reps. I make it count for something, uh, you know, bigger than just the reps themselves. And those types of things help me stay very consistent and accountable and moving forward. I like that. I really like the reps one, actually. I mean, because you can imagine that being a little trick that is just uh, something you do one time and then don't ever do again. You spell names instead of counting numbers. Uh, but I think I think when, you, when you're saying it's not just a trick to to get through this or get yourself to do it, it, it really is some way to add another level of meaning to what you're doing. Uh, I, I think I can imagine some people saying that sounds sort of corny or something, but I think I think there really is something to, uh, you know, anything that, that truly adds meaning in that way. Uh, so as promised, book, um, we're going to have to have you back on, Robert, I think at some point. But uh, really quickly, the, the book, we wanted to do it. The reason that what you pitched me on in, in you know, two years ago now um, about this was like you said, you and I have both written our stories. So have 12 other people written, you know, their vegan fitness journey and the specific stuff that worked for them. Uh, but, you know, we talk about maturity. We talk about growing up, uh, hopefully not being washed up. It feels <laughs> like this plant-based fitness movement is ready to be taken seriously with the amount of pros that are doing it. Elite athletes, people at the very top, not just people in niche sports uh, like me and you who are having success. It, You know, true elite athletes, superstar athletes are doing this. And we said we wanted to tell their stories and we wanted to talk about this this diet and this plant-based fitness lifestyle uh, in a way that, that is not about any one person and what works for them, but rather, uh, you know, what are the general principles? What are these top athletes doing? Uh, and that is where the plant-based athlete was born. You can see it now. It's available for pre-order at book.nomadeathlete.com. Uh, it is me and Robert, you know, doing what we've done here for the past 45 minutes. Um, and if you pre-order before June 15th, as we always do with books, uh, you get lots of bonuses. Robert and I put together, I believe we put together four that are just going to always be there, but then several weekends between now and then we're going to have other bonuses that arise. And if you buy during that weekend or whenever, uh, or if you bought before that, of course, you'll also get them. So we've, we've hinted a few times here at some of the ones that are coming. Um, but anyway, you can go see all the info there. Robert, anything else to add to it in the last minute before we got to go? You know, it was just an, an honor to work on this book with you, Matt. You and I have, have been on this path for so long. And to be able to tell the compelling stories of the world's greatest plant-based athletes and interview 60 of them, including a dozen Olympians and, and probably a dozen world champions and so many elite athletes and, and learn from them. Uh, well, also having a making this a how-to book and using evidence-based science as well made this, like you said, a very grown-up book that should be the new standard bearer that I think people are going to look to when they're thinking of becoming a plant-based athlete. This will be that go-to resource, and we worked like crazy for more than two years to make this happen, and I think people are, are really, really going to enjoy what they read. Yeah, it sure seems like it. Uh, so far, a lot of the plant-based doctors have, have lent their name to it and, and endorsing it. Uh, so you can go see everyone who's done that. You can see, like I said, the details about the book and the bonuses and the cover, which looks awesome, including the foreword by Dr. Greger, Dr. Michael Greger. Um, it's all at book.nomedathlete.com. 
All right, as expected or should have been expected, Robert, we've, we've bumped right up against our time uh, end here, unfortunately. But uh, love you have, have you back on sometime. Uh, Doug, I know you got another call to jump over to, so uh, we will sign off rather quickly here. But thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Robert, for joining us, and uh, hope to talk to everybody soon. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it, guys, and look forward to doing this again soon and, and hopefully saying something more controversial next time. Make sure people really <laughs> yeah. come back. Yeah, thanks, Robert. We appreciate it, and uh, yeah, look forward to that that controversy. <laughs> you got right. it. I'll bring it. You better, <laughs> Doug. All right, see ya. See you guys. Bye.